So John chapter 15 is where we're at. And uh, I'm going to begin reading in verse 12, and we're going to read through verse 17. John chapter 15. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Father in heaven, thank you for uh, Jesus, our friend. Uh, What a friend we have in Jesus. Father, I pray that you would open our hearts and minds to see your heart today, uh, to share in just the revelation of your glory and your goodness and your faithfulness. Father, I pray that you would Enable us to believe and receive the love that you have for us and then to give that love away. God, help us to be good spiritual friends. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, we all want friends. Um, I I think, um, I I guess I don't have any evidence of this, but I I, I think just from my observation about people, uh, this is one of the greatest longings of the human heart. Um, I think there's a lot of uh, pain and hurt among people who feel that they don't really have any friends. Um, I've heard lots and lots of testimonies in our church about uh, friendship and about what friendship has, has done spiritually for them and through their own relationship with Christ, how that has developed spiritual friendships. But I believe there's something deeply inherent in us uh, that we desire friendship. So in Genesis chapter uh, 1, God creates heavens and the earth, and it's, it's incredible, right? God places man in this garden paradise, and Adam has this perfect fellowship with God where he talks with God and walks with God, and all of his physical needs are met. I mean, I, it just could not be more perfect, right? And then in Genesis 2.18, there's a problem, okay? Now, remember, sin hasn't entered the world yet. That's not till Genesis 3. So you've got Adam in the garden, and everything is perfect, and he's got perfect harmony with God, and he walks with God, and his fellowship with God. Everything's great and perfect, and sin has not entered the world yet, and yet God says there's a problem. And in Genesis 2.18, God says it's not good for the man to be alone. Like, the problem is he's alone. Okay, now, now don't look at that as some kind of deficiency of Adam, like he's depressed, you know, because he's by himself and, and, you know, he has fellowship with the triune God and God comes down and walks. No, 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 that, that, it, there's not something wrong with Adam. There's actually something right with Adam, okay? So, so in other words, it's not good for man to be alone because Adam was built for more than alone, okay? What, what basically God is saying here is there's something right with Adam that it's not good for him to be alone. Friendship is right. We're created in the image of the triune God. You know, remember, God God has existed. This is a mind blower for me. God has existed from eternity past, okay? So just keep going back. You know, go back a million years and a billion years and a trillion years and I I don't know, whatever numbers are beyond that, right? Go back there. What what is there there, okay? What's there? Trillion years ago. What is there? Well, God is there. 
And, and, and God is there existing in three distinct persons. One, one, one God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, in this triune, perfect unity of, can I, can I do this? Friendship. Like that, that's God. Like God in himself consists in this beautiful unity and harmony of friendship. And then we are made in the image of the Trinitarian God. Tim Keller said this. Man, grab onto this. He said, the less you need friends, the less you're like God. Oh, that, that might have stung somebody. I don't know. Uh, the less... The less you need friends, the less you're like God. In other words, it's so in us uh, to be like God. So when we're being like God, we, we are, we, we, there's love, there's, there, there's harmony, there's, there's friendship, okay? So in other words, there's something virtuous, something godly about seeking to live in harmony and friendship with and, and brotherly love. Psalm 133, 1 uh, is a verse you probably know. It says, behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. So we need friends. We want friends. Uh, I, think, I think a lot of people spend a lot of their life angry and bitter because their friends don't ever measure up. Is that true for some of you? Like, they, your friends don't measure up. Like, like you know, that your friends go through times where they're not a good friend. They're neglectful, or they're indifferent, or they're absent, or they're insensitive, or they're, they're conceited, or they're not merciful, or they're just callous, or whatever. They let you down. In, in summary, your friends sinned against you. Can you imagine that? You have a friend that's a sinner, and they sinned against you? Who'd ever thought that would happen, huh? And, and then on top of that, we do this really dumb thing, I think. We, we look around at other people, okay, and, and we, we, we see the three ladies out for lunch and, and, and this other lady, her heart just breaks because she wants that, okay? She, she, wants, she wants what she appear, what, what appears to be that anyway, right? She wants someone to know, know her and, and, and know her struggles and she wants someone to share her joys and her burdens and someone to answer when she calls. Well, I've got great news today, actually. Okay, here's the news. Jesus wants to be your friend. Okay, Jesus wants to be your friend. Now, a lot of you are way too nice to roll your eyes in church, but I feel like you just did so emotionally, all right? And, and, and you did so emotionally because you're like this. Well, that doesn't count. You know, I, 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 I know Jesus, you know, okay, I'm not against Jesus. But, but what, what, what probably you're thinking is, you know, I, 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 what, okay, Jesus is good, but he doesn't really count. You know, I, I'd rather have Susie Soccer Mom or Hunting Big Bucks Howl, you know, over Jesus. Okay, in other words, you know, there's this gal at soccer and she's so nice and, she, you know, her kids and they're great. And I, I want to be her friend. I want her, Jesus. Or, or there's this guy and, man, he shoots the biggest buck every year and, you know, and you love to hunt and he loves to hunt. Man, if I, I want to be that guy's friend. Well, let, me, let me just ask you, what, what possibly could Susie Soccer Mom or hunting big bucks how, have over Jesus. Let, let's just be honest, okay? Let's just think about this honestly. Jesus is always near. He always answers when you call. He draws near to you, not away from you in times of suffering. He is faithful even when we are faithless. He discloses his heart to you. He talks about real stuff to you. I, I would just challenge you. How many, how many of you have friends 
with whom you can talk about money and sex and bitterness and anxiety and anger and unforgiveness and abuse and prejudice and suffering and death and eternity with. How many have, uh, some of you may have those kind of friends, but I'm telling you, Jesus shares all that with you. Like he, he, every one of those things, Jesus shares his heart of truth about that with you. Jesus is the kind of friend who wants to visit often. I spent two minutes looking for a great Richard Baxter quote, and I couldn't find it. I'm sorry. I'm a little, I've been under the gun this week. We've had lots going on, and so I just, I'm not as prepared as I want to be, and I couldn't find it, but there's this great quote from Richard Baxter, and I think it's him. Maybe that's why I couldn't find it. I got the guy wrong. But basically, he defines friendship in terms of frequency of visits uh, and the more informal, the better. It, it's something like that. In other words, what he says is one of, the, one of the greatest qualities of friendship, one of the greatest signs of friendship is just you visit often. Like, like you drop in often, you see him often, you text often, you hear from him often. Like, like there's this oftenness of, of informal and frequent, or not infrequent, informal visits. Right? Here's what I'm telling you. Jesus wants to visit with you often. Jesus is the kind of friend who wants to be near to you and wants you to live with him forever, with him forever. Jesus is never rude. He's never inconsiderate. He's never uncaring. Jesus is the kind of friend who gives you grace when you blow it. Jesus pursues you when you sin against him. He's always available to talk. He always listens. He hears us. He understands. You're like, okay, 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 okay. You give, right? Jesus is an awesome friend. Okay, but still... Your heart longs for Soccer Susie and Hunter Howe. And here's what I would say. That's great. Okay? That's great. Because being Jesus' friend will actually enable you to be a great friend to them. Okay? See, those actually go together. The, the Bible is not saying, you know, my heart cries for friends. And the Bible's not saying, well... Jesus is your friend. That's all you need. That, you know, I mean, it is all you need. But he's not even, he's not even saying that. He, he actually is saying, okay, G, Jesus as your friend enables you to be a great friend. I, I, I don't know that the Bible says very much about gaining friends, but it says a ton about being a friend, right? See, those are two different things. The one you're like, hey, how come people don't come to me? How come they don't come sit at my table? How come they don't, how come they don't, you know, it's always this, how come other people don't, aren't initiating something with me? Okay, I don't know that the Bible says very much about that. I can't think of any verses, actually. But it says a ton about because of what God has put in you, you go. You, you go be a friend. Look at how our passage is structured, would you? All right, so beginning in verse 12, we have a repeated thing. This is, we've seen this how many times in the Gospel of John? This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Okay, how many times have we seen that? This is my commandment. You're going to love one another. What's the basis for that? Because I've loved you. Okay, so again, this, this all flows out of God's love for you. God has loved you with an everlasting love. And as you believe and receive that love, that's, that gets in you. And then you're able to give that away. You're able to, it comes out of you. Okay, so, so foundation here. God's commandment, you love one another as I have loved you. Now, look at how the passage ends. Verse 17, these things, okay, what are these things? Well, 
It's just what's in the middle there, you know. You're my friends. If you do what I command, no longer do I call you servants. Servant doesn't know what his master's doing, but I call you friends. Um, all that I've heard from my father I've made known to you. I've chosen you that you point fruit and bear much fruit and your fruit would abide. And you ask whatever in my, in my father's name and, and I'll give you. And then he says, these things I command you so that you will love, what? You'll love one another. All right, is everybody seeing that? Like it starts with, Love one another because I've loved you. And then it goes in this whole friendship thing with Jesus. And then it ends with, I just told you that so that you would what? Love one another. Right? And so this absolutely has everything to do with friendships. Like, like just between people. Right? So, so Jesus is commanding that we be good friends. And he's telling us what he's telling us so that we will be a good friend. Okay, obeying Jesus and loving one another is being a good friend. The best friends are those who obey Jesus. If you just obey Jesus' commands, you're going to be a pretty good friend, right? If you, if you actually do what Jesus says, just open the book and do what he says. Like, bear one another's burdens and turn the other cheek and walk the extra mile. And meet the needs of the orphan and the widow and, and, and give, to the un, give and be unselfish and sacrifice and speak the truth and be slow to speak and quick to listen. At, all those things are what? They're friendship. Like, like, friendship is simply about following Jesus and obeying what he says. And all that flows out of being Jesus' friend. So, let's start there, okay? So, there's two things on the table today. One is, is you understanding what it means to be a friend of Jesus. And the other is you being empowered to go after soccer Susie and Hunter Hal and be their friend too, okay? So both those things are on the table today. So let, let's, let's start with being a friend of Jesus. So, so verse 13 uh, says something pretty cool about Jesus' friendship. It says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends, okay? So essentially what, what Jesus is saying is, is that there's nobody who's ever loved you like I've loved you. That's what he's saying. Greater love has no one than this, okay? So this is the greatest pinnacle of love that someone would lay down his life for his friend. And what, what did, Jesus did that, right? Jesus laid down his life for us. Now, some of you may be saying, well, but people can do that too, right? Like you saw Saving Private Ryan, you know? And, and in Saving Private Ryan, uh, Captain Miller and his squad, what do they do? They fight their way through France and they hold that bridge from the German assault and then they all die in order that, Private Ryan might go home to his grieving mother, right? And, and you remember how the, the show, I think it starts or ends, I don't remember which it is, but it ends with, no, it ends because he's an old man. It ends with, or maybe it begins and it's a flashback. I don't know. But anyway, he, as an old man, he's standing there uh, in Normandy at the cemetery at, at Captain Miller's grave, and, and he's like, did I earn it? Did I do it? Now, like, you gave your life for me. Did I, did I do enough with my life? I think Captain Miller at some point in the show says, earn this. He's about to die or whatever. Okay. So it is possible for people to give their life for one another. That's possible. But I'll just say this. Nobody's given their life for you like Jesus has. Okay. Now, let, let, me, let me unpack that a little bit. Okay. Lots of commentators have pointed this out. Jesus didn't have to die. Captain Miller had to die. In fact, have you ever really thought about that show? He might have died sooner had he not go save Private Ryan. Now, you know, I mean, he's in, they're in World War II. He just landed on the beach. I mean, he gets his assignment. They fight their way all the way through France. And he ends up dying at the bridge. But, you know, he could have, like, 
got not gotten that assignment and, you know, gone to the next place, sniper shot him, he's gone, you know? But, but whether it's there or whether it's at the bridge or whether it's at the he's still going to die. We're all going to die. Like, if you give your life for somebody, you, you didn't, like, miss out on, you know, living forever. You, you just died sooner than you would have. And most of the time, when we, when we give our life for somebody, what we're really doing is we risk our life and we lost. That, that's almost every situation. I'm sure there could be another situation that maybe that's not true. But most of the time, when, when, when one man gives his life for another, he doesn't want to die. He tried not to die. He hoped they wouldn't die. He tried to save both, and then he just lost. Okay, but what Jesus did for you is somewhat different than that. Jesus didn't have to die. He, he becomes man in the incarnation so that he can die. And, and, he, and he doesn't have to die, but he goes wide, eyes wide open for you to the cross that he might give his life for you. I mean, Jesus is life. Well, other things that you could tack on. Jesus' life's worth more than yours. That's true, isn't it? Absolutely. He's the sinless son of God. He's the king of kings, the reigning, ruling, sovereign of the universe. Here's what's true about me. I deserve to die. Like, I'm a sinner. I'm broken. I deserve hell. That's justice. For me to die and go to hell is simply what ought to have happened. But Jesus did not. But rather, he came, became man, gave his life to save you, to redeem you, to give you his righteous life, to join you to his resurrection life, that you might have this inheritance, this heavenly citizenship, this resurrection body in a new heaven and new earth where you can eat ice cream every meal and not get heavy, okay? That's what Jesus did for you and a whole bunch of other stuff that we can dream about. And so when Jesus says there's no greater love, that, that's true. There's no greater love. There's no greater sacrifice. There's no greater impact than what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. Number two, Jesus is the best friend because he reveals his heart. Look at verse 15. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master's doing, but I've called you friends. Okay? Now, now, okay, so you're not a, I don't call you servant. Yeah, you are a servant, but I said, I don't call you a servant. But rather, I call you friend. And then what's the reason for that? Next, next phrase. For all that I've heard from my Father, I have made known to you. One, one of the clearest signs of friendship is that someone will share their heart with you. Like when you, when you think about what defines friend from acquaintance, what defines friend from, uh, you know, just... Somebody you run into, you're in the same stuff together, whatever. What The thing that actually kind of draws that line usually is that a friend is willing to share their struggles. A friend will open up. They're, they're going to they're gonna share about their marriage. They're going to share about their, their pain. They're going to share about their, their son rebelling. Or they're going to ask you to pray. They're, they're going to share their dreams. They're going to tell you their fears. They're going to share what they, what they think about life and work and family. And they're going to be interested in your heart. I mean, that, that's sort of the definition of friendship is you got two people that, that care about each other's hearts and they're willing to share. People that won't share... Usually, just can't be a friend. I had this weird situation. I, I feel like I'm a pretty good friend. I feel like I, I feel like I shared things pretty easily with people, and 
I feel like I have a lot of friends. And, but anyway, in seminary, they, we, I took this class, and it was on account, part of the deal was on spiritual disciplines. And, and so one of the disciplines was on accountability. And so they, they did a really dumb thing, I think. They paired us up, like just like randomly, just paired us up. And then we were supposed to go, and we had like a six-week deal, and we're supposed to meet together once a week and, and be accountable to one another and you know, share our struggles and pray for each other and everything. And so I was like, okay, I can do this. And so they hooked me up with this guy who was like going to be a music minister or something. And so um, I went to his apartment, and uh, you know, we're doing our assignment. And, man, he doesn't share anything with me. Like, like I, I shared, not, you know, hey, you can pray for me about this, pray for me about this, you know. Uh, Emma whipped me the other night. No, I, didn't, I don't know. You know, I, like I shared my life, you know. And, and. And we get done, and he's like, okay, great, you know. And he shares nothing, okay. Well, surprise, surprise, he and I didn't become friends. I mean, I, I don't dislike the guy. Uh, he seemed like a great guy. Actually, I still see him on Facebook. Uh, he's got a great family, but he and I did not become friends. Well, why? Because he wouldn't share anything, right? But, but my buddy Richard, who lived next door and upstairs, and my buddy Mark, who lived down in the cul-de-sac, man, we, we shared life together. We, we, we shared our struggles together, uh, even since seminary. I've been a part of both those guys' lives, and we're still friends to this day. I mean, it, that's, that's just part of friendship, okay? And, and so Jesus says, I don't call you a servant. I call you a friend. How do you know I'm your friend? Because all that I've heard from the Father, I've shared to you. I've, I've, I've told you. Okay, so if you're a believer, Jesus has shared his heart. If you're a believer, you have the word of God and you have the spirit of God and God has revealed himself. God has revealed his character. That, that's what it means to be a believer. It's God's opened your eyes to see his glory and his character and his majesty and his goodness and his mission. And you've said, yes, I believe. That's what it means to be a believer is God has revealed himself and you have believed upon him. He's revealed his love for you, his affection for you, his hopes for you, and you have believed. That, we're friends. Like Jesus says, man, I've, I've shared. I've showed you who I am. You're my friend. And then number three, God has initiated friendship in order to share his life. Look at verse 16. In verse 16, it says, you did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. I, I believe it's true that people love to be pursued. Um, people love it when someone is interested in them. They're in, when someone's interested in their story. When someone's interested in knowing them. Man, pe people like that. If, if you need a course on friendship, uh, let me tell you, here, here's, here's a great tip. Like, go after people. The, the person that kind of sits over in the corner with a scowl in their face and says, man, look at all these people. Nobody, nobody loves anybody here, you know? Hey, you go. Like, you go pursue people. And when you go pursue people, hey, be interested in them. Be interested in, in their life, in caring for them, in sharing your life and hearing from them. Friendship has to be intentional. It's, it's probably the most intentional relationship in your life, right? Like your family's not very intentional. You just got them, you know? You just drew either a good lot or a bad one, and you just got them, you know? And so you're, you're, you're stuck with them. And, and so you, you got it, you know? It's not like you have all these choices for Christmas, right? You're like, well, we got to go to our family, you know? Like, like it's, not, it's not intentional at all. But friendship is is intentional. Like, like you, you pick people out 
and you pursue a friendship with them. And, and what Jesus says here is, I chose you. And then what he says, I chose you. Like, I, I, I wanted a relationship with you, and so I initiated that relationship. I came after you. you. The Bible says in Romans 3, nobody seeks God on their own. Nobody. Like, he's the one that came after us. He pursued you. He came after you. While you were still his enemy, God came after you. And he did all the work in order for you to be friends. And now he does something really cool. He appoints you to lasting fruitfulness. Let me read that again. Um, verse uh, 15, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. For all that I've heard from my father, I've made known to you. Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide or your fruit should last. So we become friends with Jesus and then he, he calls us to go into the world and bear fruit, okay? The fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of displaying. You guys know what fruit is? We've been talking about it. We talked about it last week. Okay, Fruit is, is the life, the character of Jesus visibly coming out of you. Okay, So it's when we, when we walk with Christ and we walk with the Spirit and we depend on the Spirit and we yield it to the Spirit. And, and Jesus produces in us through the power of the Holy Spirit things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control and the, the fruit of winning souls and worshiping God. And that fruit comes from, again, walking by the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit, depending on the Spirit. And, and he says we should, we should go. He appointed us. He chose us. He shares his life with us. And then he, he brings us into his mission. Did you get those three things? So he loves us. He, he sacrifices for us. And then he initiates a relationship. That's the choose. Okay. And then, he, and then he shares his life. He shares his mission. He shares what God is doing in the world. And then he brings us into that. He appoints us to go and bear fruit in the world. And that our fruit should abide. It should remain. It should keep going. So he loves you, he sacrifices for you, he initiates a relationship, he shares his heart, and then he brings you into his heart. Okay, do you understand those two things? I want to make sure you get that. Okay, so, so remember, I don't call you friends, or I don't call you uh, uh, servants, but I call you friends for all that, the, that I've heard from my father, I've made known to you. Jesus reveals his heart. Okay, and then the next verse, I chose you and appointed you, you should go and bear fruit. He reveals his heart and said, this is God's heart, and I'm bringing you into that. I'm bringing you into what God wants, the mission of God, because you're his friend. Many years ago, I don't know, maybe a decade or so ago, it's been, it's been a while, we were, we were back there in the Fellowship Hall, and we were in Man Up, and uh, we, we, were, we were having a, a Bible study about friendship. We were having a Bible study about, you know, kind of geared toward uh, men having friends, like real friends, being a good friend, right? And, and I, I always kind of start with it like a question, you know, a discussion question. And, and I asked the guys, I said, what are you looking for? What, what biblically do you see um, as far as what does it mean to be a friend? And I kind of just threw that out there like, what do you look for? A um, bunch of answers. My favorite one this, this one, this one has stuck with me, but I think it was David that said, I just want someone to be in on the deal with me. And he always talks in such a way that you're like, what? You know, he's in on the deal. And I go, what do you mean by that? And he's like, 
Well, I, I want someone to like be on mission, like be, you know, like I'm about these things in the Lord and I'm about this, you know, I feel like God's called me to this thing. And, and a friend is somebody who will, will go with me into that. Like we'll, we'll love that together and we'll, we'll, we'll do that thing together. Man, that's exactly right. According to this passage. And that's what Jesus does. He says, I sacrificed for you. I initiated friendship for you with you. I shared my heart with you. And now I'm calling you to come into this great mission with me. I'm the, I shared God's heart and I'm calling you into that. And we're, we're going to go and do that together. If you have your Bible, open to Philippians 1. Turn over there for a second. We're going to be here for just a little bit. If you were at Rick's uh, funeral yesterday, I started out with this passage. And um, I'm going I'm to take it a little further than I took it yesterday. Uh, I was just talking about um, how, how friendship, when you go through something with somebody and suffer with them, it, it, it creates this affection and bond. But I, I want to take you a little further, okay? So let, let me read this. Okay, Philippians 1.3. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because, look at this, because of your partnership in the gospel. What, what's, a, what's a partnership? If you have a partnership with somebody, it's like, like you have a business together, right? And like you're like, okay, we're in this together. Like we're both trying to make this thing work. Or if you have a, um, uh, 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 a soccer team together, you know, you're, you're in a partnership. And you're like, all right, we're trying to train these kids to be able to score goals and defend their goal and beat the opponent, right? We're, we're in this thing together, okay? So, so Paul says, you know, I thank God for you. And he says, always in every prayer of mine, Making prayer with, my joy, with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That means, he says, I'm sure it's going to last. You remember what Jesus said about the fruit that he wants? That it would last, right? That it would continue, that it would keep going. Verse 7, it's right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you all are partakers with me of grace. In other words, what, what, if you partake together of something, what are you doing? You're, you're sharing it together. Paul's like, we both, we both shared in grace together. Both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Paul says, you were with me. You, you shared it with me in, in both my imprisonment and my defense and proclamation of the gospel. Or confirmation of the gospel. So you, you were with me in this mission, this gospel mission together. Verse 8, for God is my witness. Okay, what, what happened through all that? How I yearn for you with all the affection of, of Christ Jesus. What happened through that? Man, Paul got this incredible affection for these people. And it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with all knowledge and discernment. So man, I, I hope that our love grows more and more so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I really think Paul is basically giving a little bit of a commentary on John 15 there. He's, he's living that out, okay? You see, this, this is always true of friendship, okay? Friendship, for friendship to be thriving, you, you need to be together on something, Okay? You need to be together, in this case, in mission. 
Paul says, you were together with me in my imprisonment. And you were together with me in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. And look what it produced. It produced this love and affection for people. This, this affection of Christ, he calls it, that, that he has for them now. Like it, it always starts with God loving us, but now it comes out of him loving these people. And then verse 9, it should snowball and we should experience more of the love of God and, and, and more discernment. And verse 10 11, which produces fruit bearing, the fruit of righteousness. Man, when, whenever I see this happen, I almost always am right that great things are going to follow. So here's what, what I've seen over and over and over again in 25 years at Lincoln Avenue, okay? Things rock along pretty good. You know, we're faithful. We're doing well. And then there's like a pocket of people that become really good friends about Jesus, okay? A lot of times it's, it's a certain demographic, or a lot of times it's, I don't know, God brought them together through a small group. But anyway, but they, 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 they become all about Jesus together, okay? Now, now, whenever someone just becomes all about Jesus on their own, that's really cool. But whenever I see this group of people and this synergy that happens where, where they become all about Jesus together, Great things follow every time. I was in Nepal, and, and man, after I witnessed that Shack to Sally Baptist Church, after we had a chance to spend two weeks with them, I told them before I left, I said, I believe God is going to do great things together. Here's why. Because you're friends, and you're friends about Jesus. Like, they love to be together. They were always together. I couldn't tell whose babies were whose for a while because they were all holding each other's babies. Does that make sense? Like, like I, it was like they were just this big family. And I, and I would go to their, their homes and I, I would see other people that I saw at church are there and they're eating together and, and, and they're all in the kitchen. I can't tell whose house it is because the women are all cooking and you can't tell who's, who's, who's the boss there. I mean, they're, they're, they're friends together about Jesus. Him and I went to uh, a Billy Graham crusade. Um, and and there, there's, they don't do them anymore, but they, they used to do these, this conference, like right before it and during it, like for pastors and people in ministry. And so we went, and so we got to go to the crusade, but then we went to this little mini conference that they put on. And, and one of the, the old guys that was with Billy Graham from the very beginning, um, this was Shortly before he died, I mean, before he quit doing them, I mean, he was he was old when we went, but but the, this guy that was with him from the beginning, somebody asked him in this Q and A time. He said, "What what is the what's the secret to the success of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association?" And he and he said this, I'll never forget. It. He said, "Get some people that you love and that you agree with in, in the gospel, and then just stay with them." Just, and I was like, "Man, that's what Paul says," you know. Like, be friends together about Jesus and about the mission. So, so this is so powerful be, because of, of this reason, okay? Um, look, look, look back. We skipped a verse. I'm going to come back to it, okay? Look back at 14 and 15. He says, you're my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. For all that you have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Okay, so basically he's saying this is so powerful because now you're obeying Jesus not out of servanthood, but out of friendship. Now, 
Don't, don't drive the bus off the cliff, okay? People are notorious for that. Are you a servant of Jesus? Yes. Did, did Paul say, I'm, I'm a doulos? That's, that's the word that's here. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bond slave of Christ. Yes, he introduced himself that way. There is absolutely a sense in which Jesus Christ is your king and you are his slave. Yes. And we're, we love it. We are eager about that. Okay? But, but here, Jesus kind of layers on top of that this reality that he has sought us out as friends. Okay? That, that there's this friendship layer to our relationship with God. And it's not really new. Um, the Bible said of Abraham that he was the friend of God. And, and all these, these principles we just talked about are true of Abraham. God, God would reveal his heart to Abraham, wouldn't he? Remember Sodom and Gomorrah? You know, they're sitting there having a conversation. God's like, yeah, I'm going to wipe, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham's like, oh, well, God, what if there's 50 righteous people? Would you, would you still destroy it? No. I mean, that's, you know, they, he, Abraham knows God's heart. Like, God reveals his plan to Abraham. Same could be said of Moses. And, and okay, so this, it's not really a new thing. But, but Jesus is making clear we, we're more than servants in the sense that our motive for obeying Jesus is more than duty. Okay, now, if you're a servant, you just do what you're told. Right? It's just your duty. You don't need to know why. You don't need to be compelled by some great vision for the work. You know? The master doesn't come up and say, all right, I'm going to have you sweep the walk. But let me tell you why. You know, because once we get this dirt out of here, you know, and once people come by our store and they're going to... No, he just says sweep the walk. And you sweep the walk. Why? Because you're a servant. It's your duty. It's what you're supposed to do. Okay? Jesus says, but we're friends. And, and, and you know that we're friends and, you're, and, and more than a servant because I've shared my life with you. I've opened your eyes to see my glory, to see that I am life, to see that my word is life-giving. I've opened your eyes to see that, 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 that I'm bringing about this glorious kingdom and you're a part of it and you have an inheritance and your redemption and, and your glory is coming. And now we obey out of friendship, out of excitement and anticipation of what is to come. Real quick, let's just apply. Why'd you come to worship today? Now, many of you may come. Some of you came because you had no choice. Sorry about that, okay? Um, others of you, though, you came because it's your duty. All right, you, that's a servant, right? Like, well, so what's a servant do? He does what he's supposed to do. You're a Christian. You're supposed to go to worship. Okay, let's go. I'm glad you're here. That's great, okay? You know what's better? is when you come as a friend. See, what's better is when you say, Jesus has revealed his heart to me. And I love it. And I want more of it. And I want to see more of his glory. And I want to, I want, I want to, I want to, I want to see more of his word. And, and I want to experience more of him. Why, why do you forgive somebody when they hurt you? Well, maybe some of you say, well, it's because the Bible says. Hey, that's not a bad reason. I mean, it's not bad, but, but it's very much a servant reason, right? Like, well, I don't want to. I'd rather choke them out and twist their head off, you know? But Jesus said not to, and so I'm a servant, and so I'm not going to. You, you know what's better than that? What's better than that is for you to say, well, Jesus is my friend, and, and he's revealed his life to me. And, and, and I want to share in his life. And he's, he's revealed his justice. And he's revealed the, the, the righteousness of his reward. I, I pleaded with a person this week. 
about vengeance. And, and the case I made to them was, Jesus won't let you down. Like, he's going to take care of you. Like, I'm, I'm not saying, hey, forgive you. The Bible says so. I mean, that's true. And to not do so is sin. And to sin indefinitely is to go to hell. So there's some good stuff there, right? But, but there, there's this other thing Jesus says. He's like, man, I'm your friend. And I've shared with you that following me is life. And so you ought to want to forgive because you want to really live. And you want to you be about this thing together with Jesus. Why do you pursue sexual purity? Well, is it, the Bible says some really serious things about it. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, man, no sexually immoral, adulterer, homosexuality. I mean, it groups them all in there and says, man, you live that way habitually, you don't have a place in the kingdom of God. Well, that's pretty serious. Okay, good. All right. If we're, if we're obeying as a servant, we're like, man, he told me not to do that, and there's consequences if I do, so I'm not going to do it. But Jesus is also your friend. And he's revealed his heart to you. And he's revealed that marriage is a picture of Christ in the church. And he shared his heart about covenants and covenant keeping and unconditional love and God's sacrificial love, what it means to love others. And, he, and he's revealed this destructive nature of sexual immorality. And, and you pursue purity out of love for Jesus, your friend, and for your friends in Christ. And so you, you obey because he's your friend. And then look again at prayer. We keep having the same experience of we're out of time, but look at prayer, okay? Um, but man, haven't we had this a bunch? So, so in chapter 14, uh, remember where that passage ended, verse 13 and 14, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And then chapter 15 and verse 7, uh, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And now again, in, in chapter 15, verse 16, he says, You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. He keeps coming back to it three times already, just in this little section of John. That when the Father reveals his heart to you, and when you receive the love of the Father, you begin to pray effectively. Okay? Like, like when, when you're about this mission of the gospel together, then man, there's something really supercharged about prayer. Like, like, cause Jesus revealed his heart and you're like, yes, I'm about that too, Jesus. And, and I'm your friend and, and we're about this together. And then let's, let's go ahead and apply that to the next level. You, you, you get some people in your life and, and you're about Jesus together. And you're about the gospel together. And you're about the mission together. And then you begin to ask for his heart. And he just flat out says, I'll answer it. I'll answer you. Man, I want to do that. When you got my heart and my will, and you you're together with people that you're loving with my love, and you guys are together about my heart and my will, man, I'm with you. Ask me. My power will be behind you. So a couple questions just to end with. First of all, are you, are you a friend of Jesus? We've been talking about is Jesus your friend? And I think we've made a great case for that, but are you his friend? Like, do you treat him as a friend? You, you know what? 
One of the most painful things in life is when you believe you've offended your friend. True? Man, that's, that's a stinger, isn't it? I got, uh, I, some of my most disturbed times in my life have been when I felt like I, I, I hurt my friend. And when you have somebody that's your friend, you want to get right with them quick. And so I would, I would ask you, is that the way you live with Jesus? And then I would just ask you, has this process taken root in your life? Okay, so we started with love one another as he's loved you. Okay, greater love has no one than the way Jesus has loved you. And he's now he's chosen you and he's invited you into friendship and he's revealed his life to you. And he's called you to bear fruit together in his mission. And are you, are you finishing this thing the way he finishes it? Verse 17. These things I command you that you will love one another. Like, is that, is that happening? Like, are, are you taking that and then being like, man, I'm going to go initiate and pursue friendships with other believers, and it's going to be about more than soccer and hunting and kids and whatever. It's going to be about Jesus. We call those Christ-centered relationships here at Lincoln Avenue. And I'm going to love, I'm going to obey all the commands of Jesus with my friends. Are you doing that? I hope so. Because, man, when we do that together, really good things start happening. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would keep us from isolation. God, you tell us in your word that he who isolates himself is not wise. Father, I thank you that you made us for friendship. You made us for relationship. Thank you, Jesus, that... You are the best of friends. Lord Jesus, help us to cultivate that friendship with you. Lord Jesus, help us to initiate and, and take the love with which you have loved us and, and go after other people. Father, I, I think, I hope, Lord, I pray, I'm asking you that we would, we would have this experience here in Sunday school, here in just a minute. Uh, but Lord, also tonight at the Christmas banquet, Father, I pray that that would just be one great big room of people who are seeking to love people, love others with the love that you've put in them. God, make, make our banquet tonight this beautiful celebration and fellowship and participation and, of Christ and one another. Father, may it, may it be beautiful to you. In Jesus' name, amen.